Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast, hosted by Dave Roberts. Humanity possesses a unique skill, the ability to pass knowledge from one generation uh, to the next. This podcast embraces that ability, offering learning opportunities through conversations with extraordinary guests. Dave aims to leave a positive mark on individuals around the world. So before you dive into today's episode, Please share this podcast with your network, including friends, family, and colleagues. And please consider leaving a rating or review. Your support makes all the difference. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts. And today, it is my pleasure to have as my guest, Chloe D'Souza, all the way from England, am I correct? You are correct, Dave. Uh, and I love your accent too, by the way. It's great. It's great. Chloe is a certified love, sex, and relationship coach of the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality. Chloe offers a trauma-informed approach backed by both modern science and ancient tant tantric wisdom. She has been called the legend of space holders, a queen of the rhythms dance teacher, with over 20 years of intimate space holding and an accreditation as a five rhythms teacher, dance movement psychotherapist, her body-based background is unlike any love, sexuality, and relationship coach. And with that, Chloe, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's kind of nice hearing your life backwards. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? I know when I'm at a podcast with somebody too, it's kind of fun to to hear um, you know, the bio that they read on me. And I, I think about it, wait, they're talking about me? Because we don't tend to give ourselves enough credit for the things that we do as much as we should give ourselves credit for. So, yeah. so let's get right down to it. Uh, share with our audience the event or experiences that have shaped your current life path and your current passions. Wow. Well, I'd love to talk about my value system because that's what's informed a lot of it. So very high on my value system is fun. And hearing you read my bio, I can, I can feel that in, in there. Like, um, so I go after fun. I go after stuff that brings me pleasure. But the things that have mainly and majorly informed me are probably my pain points. So, you know, I... I, when I'm in periods of time in my life that have really been really troublesome to me and, and things have really broken down, there's always a sense of mapping that I do um, and picking up the tools that help me out. And then from there, I tend to want to offer it out to the people that I space hold for. So you could say when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. So there was already that impulse there from, 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 a, from a relatively hard childhood wanting to help people get better and then and then then yeah then it's the more formula years that that were really really hard and they grew me the most then they're, they're the ones that made me most of what I am which is why I was really interested in your podcast because um learning through pain is a hell of a skill and the people that I love most have normally managed to do that yeah and can I tell individuals that we're not going to go through life without experiencing some kind of challenge? And, you know, how we define challenge, how we define tragedy is different for everybody. But the quality of the life that we lead 
is going to be based on how well we transcend those challenges and how willing we are to use tools that are, are going to reflect the work that we need to do. And even if they're tools that are not backed by conventional wisdom, and I've always thought conventional wisdom was highly overrated anyway. And I think, uh, you know, we need to do what is best for us. And, and the, the tools are going to be different. People are going to resonate with different things. And I love what you offer as a love sexuality and relationship coach, because that's something that that I have not been as familiar with. So I want to ask you, what does a love sexuality and relationship coach does? Take me through what you do with a client and what your objectives are with a client who wants to I know, get in touch more with their sexuality, awaken their sexuality, awaken their whole being as a result of, of that one dormant aspect of their lives. Great. <laughs> yeah. So my lens as a love, sexuality, and relationship coach is to work with some of your core desires. So often it, it, people come and they have a problem, which is really valid. Um, but also on the, on the flip side of any, every, every problem, really the problem's probably the block and underneath it is the core desire. So for example, um, in, in some of my Instagrams and things like that, you'll see, I help people live their lives ecstatically. Because we're born into this world as this, this, this impulsive flame, this curious being. And, and experiences come in that layer over that, that curiosity, that innocence, that ability to explore. And we become perhaps um, untrusting of our environment or we become untrusting of individuals or our bodies got damaged in certain ways by certain experiences that we carry. Um, so, so I work to help people digest those experiences to bring them back into that playful sense of adventure with life. So for some people that might be, I'm, I'm only orgasmic on my own, but I'm not orgasmic with a partner. For other people, it would be, I've suffered enormous loss and grief. I'd like to be in a relationship, but I, I can't bring myself to do it because I'm scared of the loss that it might entail. So I would then drop them into their nervous system through meditative and, and tantric techniques to work out where in their nervous system we need to integrate something in order them to curiously explore their world again, to trust relationships again, to, to work out how to create safety for their body so they can move from pre-orgasmic to multi-orgasmic. So there's, there's, there's lots of different avenues that we can take to do that. With some people, if you're suffering from trauma, there's often numbing in the body. And a key text that I would recommend anyone who's interested in this topic to read would be Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. So he's incredible, very, very compassionate man. Um, first walked, worked with war veterans. Um, so there you have that the body, that the trauma is not stored in the event the trauma is stored in the body there's an echo of the trauma in the body from that event and when you digest that echo in the body your life frees up you move through space differently you trust people differently you open up to your physical sensibilities again so that, that that's really what i do in a nutshell and we can dig deeper on that you mentioned the body keeps the score i've mentioned that book on on other podcasts and i know one of the things he talked about and you can correct me if I'm wrong or add to this if I'm wrong. I think he did functional magnetic resonant imaging with eight individuals 
who he had read scripts of the trauma that they experienced during childhood. And he talked about left and right brain, the left brain being that verbal part of us that allows us to make sense of the trauma, to talk about the trauma, and I'm paraphrasing this, helps us integrate the trauma. The right side of the brain is more responsible to, to cue receptors, to sounds. And again, with PTSD, individuals with PTSD are, have a, a very exaggerate, can have a very exaggerated startle reflux. They don't like to be touched. They're very sensitive to touch, which makes engaging in healthy, intimate sexual relationships a challenge. But one of the things he discovered is that when they were recreating or re reading the trauma, their, the right side of their brain was activated. The left side of their brain, particularly an area called Braca's area, which is responsible for, for language and integrating the trauma, totally shut down. So I imagine you've had people that say, I have no words for the trauma that I've experienced. And if that's the case, there's a good, solid scientific explanation for that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think the, the great, the great skill of embodiment is, is that also sometimes you don't want to be, if you haven't got words for it, we need to find another way. So my background as a dance and movement psychotherapist is very much reading the body and what the body wants to say. And, and the skill there is not to compound the narrative by, by re-traumatizing, by going into that event again and again and again. Because of neural plasticity, we want to be creating other neural pathways. So yes, you know that event exists, but can we tell a different narrative? Can, can, we, can we bear to experience the bits that need to be experienced in order for us to move on? Because we don't want to be stuck in that event forever, but we do want to release that event so we can move on. And that's, that's where I'm very forensic in where I take my clients because, because I want them to be free of it rather than stuck in the narrative that they have around that, which is probably very valid, but actually also, um, we all want to, we all want to be the heroes of our own lives. Really. We all want to be rescuing ourselves and we want to be the main rescuers of ourselves. Ideally that's an empowered position. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, grief. Mental health challenges disempowers individuals in many respects. I think the more that we can empower individuals to take responsibility for their own happiness, for their own contentment, and even for their own sadness, because that's all a part of that's all a part of growth, and it's all a part of who we are. It's just not yeah. happiness. It's all it's everything on the emotional spectrum that we need to embrace. So the more we can empower individuals to take responsibility for the totality of who are they, who they are, the more vested they're going to be in their own continued growth and, and, um, self-improvement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, you know, I'm a very stubborn individual. Um, so I think if life hadn't shoved me some really hard experiences, I probably would have stayed in my comfort zone, but <laughs> And the, I remember there was one year where I had a series of miscarriages and, um, and I, I had been pregnant that year more days than I had not been pregnant. And at the end of the year, I had nothing to show for it. I, I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted a baby, but it wasn't happening. And that year I grew exponentially, like horizontally. I was very connected to whatever you want to call spirit or soul or kind of the, the vertical axis you know, with earth and spirit, but, but, but my heart really needed to grow because there was a level of, um, 
rejection of pain, like like I didn't know how to welcome pain and be with it and and be disappointed and be sad and and be semi-traumatized or traumatized and and hold myself still loyal to to what it was that I was committed to this this life gig this being a live thing that involves pain and although I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody it's actually very common for women I think we could talk about it more but um I I think that year was really formative for me and and likewise I I think I was very much okay with my childhood trauma in the end, <laughs> but when in, in my adult life further on, there was a moment um, which really informed my spiritual strength once again. And I remember sitting there realizing at dawn one day that my life had really just been shattered into, into a nothingness. It, it's that bad news point, which I'm sure you resonate with, Dave. And you get that bad news and you're like, what the fuck? What am I going to do with this? And I and I realized that 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 there was very little I had but myself. Music, a huge go-to for me because I feel held by music. I can all of me can turn up when I'm dancing. And and I had my kids. And and um, there there was what was I going to do? Who was I going to be? Because I couldn't change the event. I I could change how I responded to it. I could change how I grew from it. And and so accountability actually, although it holds you fast and it's lock, it's a very free freedom place because you're in charge of you and how you want to how you want to move through the event, and and there there really is 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 what motivates me and my leadership every day, and help hopefully motivates other people. Within the realm of sexuality, I realised I'd had a really good time most of my life. Um, but talking to my peers, my colleagues, and uh, the women I worked with, that wasn't so. So I was really motivated for this very taboo, troublesome area to get the lid taken off it because, because I'm happy to be in my leadership role. I'm happy to stand up, but I would love also to close the orgasm gap. I would love mm-hmm. um, abuse to stop. I would like consent to take place. I would like adults to be adults with adults. I would like to also expand that into learning through pleasure instead of pain, which is a semi-new concept now. It's a very feminine concept. What if we could learn through pleasure? What if we could bring pleasure to the places that hold pain, which I do within my tantric practice? What if, and so learning to seek pleasure into the areas in my being, in my body, in my cells that were in deep grief was a massive part of my healing. And and that's what I I hold for other people to do. And I I think that is, from my perception, great objectives in terms of helping individuals that you work with get through the other side of pain or tragedy. Tell me about tantric wisdom. Tell me about how that aligns with your coaching. Go into that a little bit for us. Okay. First of all, I want to say, like some of the tantric practices that I practice, I would have to do for at least this lifetime, if not a few more, in order to be able to be qualified in any iota to speak about them. Um, you know, and and of course we've got neuro and Western tantra, but I just I just first of all want to really pay homage to the fact that like, you know, you can't read a book on tantra and think you're then qualified to talk about tantra. So so. And, and what I love most about Tantra, which I think is, is, is perhaps the most helpful 
concept is that everything is welcome. So, so we're very cut, we're very trained to reject pain, that sadness is bad, that don't be scared, don't be angry. Um, jealousy, oh, that's another juicy one that we avoid, you know. But but within Tantra, it's it's just an energetic field. It's just a resonance. So for me, freedom is an inside job, and Tantra really helps me with that. Because when I don't resist any of those emotions or those life events, actually what happens is that I just get broken open more and more into this life thing. You know, and 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 when I really own my own jealousy or my own pain, there is a bliss in that. When, when I let my no resistance be present and I welcome the fullness of, of my experience through my body, through my heart, through, through my very being, there I have an ecstatic notion of being alive. And, and that for me is, is perhaps one of the highest gems of Tantra that, that I have discovered. So that Tantric perspective to include it all, to not reject what life serves us is a, is a keyhole of freedom and it and it's hard to practice you know i mean my family they laugh at me because i can burn myself on a kettle because i have a pain high pain threshold but you know it's it's more than that when it's in the heart the heart's a harder realm to welcome everything in and you have to titrate as well i don't mean flood and stay there stay there in pain forever i mean like yeah dip into your pain then, you know, if that's a cold pool, then get in the jacuzzi, then warm up with some pleasure, some warmth, some happiness, a good song, a good strong playlist. Yeah, music has been, been a comfort for me in my own, my own uh, challenges, particularly after the transition of my daughter Janine from, the, from her physical body over 20 years ago. And, you know, music has been an inspiration for me. It has informed much of my writing in the past. And it's given me a, a measure of peace, particularly if it's music that me and my daughter share. And the second thing is that I like, it's like what I hear you say is we need to embrace everything. And we have to sit with the pain. We have to sit with whatever trauma we've had, but sit with it with somebody who is supportive, who's going to nurture us through it, is going to provide us some tools, provide us some safety, like it sounds like that you do with your practices. Mm -hmm. Um to get through it because if we try to run away from pain, it's only gonna it's only gonna bite us in the butt. You yeah. know, it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna resurface until we decide to deal with it. Pain yeah. is gonna say, I'm always gonna be here. Let's see if we can rework the narrative a little bit differently. Work with me instead of against me. Yeah, and um yeah that when pain kept washing up on my shore, Dave, which it did time and time again. There was a moment that I guess you could say was, was a teaching and your podcast is called The Teaching Journey. I was like, why are you here again? Why me? Why, why me again? And um, the answer that came back to me was like, you need to get intimate with me. And I was like, fuck, intimate with pain. But the more, the more I allowed myself to be comfortable with these levels of pain, the more okay the levels of pain became. And, um, and that for me was a, a massive turning point. Um, and until you get to a point where you're, where you're even, there's a, there's a notion of gratitude for it. Like, like I can grieve who I was before some of the traumas that, that, that undertook me, 
Um, but also like there's a gratitude because I, I, I really couldn't be who I am today without those traumas, like, like trauma, people don't talk about trauma expansion very much. And it's one of the things that I do in order to help people out of the holes that they're in. You're a living like embodiment of trauma expansion, right? You're hosting a podcast, you're helping people out. You're, you're, you're a torch for people who, who might think that it's never gonna, that it's always gonna feel that bad, right? But, um, so the trauma expansion is an amazing point that after all these things, you, you expand into a shape that, that, that you can't then change and make small again. It makes you big. It makes you bright, particularly if you're integrating things on the way. Um, so, so getting intimate was with pain was a, was a weird one, but it, I sort of, the name feral grace. Yeah. Life really did whip me some wild ones, but there's a grace to it as well. Like, like, gosh, it's made me who I am. Gosh, I can taste pain and, and find some iota of, of aliveness in it. And, and, and when you really have a very expanded emotional repertoire, it also means that your bliss is expanded. You expand your pain, you expand your bliss. So I can get into very ecstatic states very, very fluidly, um, also with the help of tantric tools. Because I'm not avoiding anything. There's, 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 there's little in the way that it's going to come up against. The ecstaticness is going to come up against. But because you're going to go, oh, yeah, now I want to cry. Oh, now I'm laughing. Oh, now, I, now I'm coming. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. We can embrace all parts of who we are, mind, body, and spirit, and be comfortable with that. I want to read a quote that I found from your website. I want you to kind of reflect on that a little bit. Um, and I think it kind of segues nicely into feral grace and how that informs what you do with your clients. But I want to read this quote. I have dived to the depths of my heart and found myself there. This is how whole I am. What does that tell individuals who are considering retaining your services about you and what you bring to the table as a love, sex, and relationship coach. Yummy. Thanks. Um, people often say to me, oh, I feel like I can tell you anything. Well, you can. You can tell me anything. There's, there's very little that would shock me, but also I hold a completely confidential space. And... Um, Within the soma that exists between me and my clients, so that's like that's like my limbic resonance. I feel you, and I feel on some level what you store in your body and what I know you're capable of experiencing, and you feel in me where I've been, and 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 whether I'm the real deal, you know. And and so when people get into my containers, they will feel that I have depths dived to the depths of my heart. And that's how whole I am. They will feel that I got intimate with pain and therefore they don't need to, they don't need to hide their pain from me or they don't need to hide their jealousy or they don't need to hide their infidelity or, or whatever little corner of themselves that they're ashamed of. And that's a very liberating space because whatever's in the unconscious, whatever it is you're pushing out the way is going to dominate on some level in your life. But if you get in a held space with someone like me, Who's going to say, well, let's just slowly bring in what's, what you've hidden away or what you, what you were never taught more accurately was okay to feel. 
Um, and then you start to bring in that, like it's okay to feel and suddenly you liberate a whole, a whole movement inside yourself. And I talk a lot about changing your inner ecology because when we let ourselves feel or, or when we, when we allow ourselves to unnumb the place that maybe someone did us wrong over when you unnumb that place and you let it cry and, and then feeling and sensation comes back in. You know, there, there you're starting to really change your inner ecology and then you change your outer world very organically and naturally. Your no becomes easy. Your yes becomes louder. Your body moves more fluidly. You make relationships more trustingly. You hook up with people like Dave and hang out in the morning. <laughs> there you go, yeah. And, and people can hook up with me and hang out anytime. I love hanging out with, with people, particularly uh, individuals who... Uh, see the world in not so conventional terms that are going to teach me something and give me some different perspectives. So, um, so I think, yeah, if I ever get to England, I'll find you. We can you hang will. out and we, we can hang out and we can talk and maybe yeah. go to one, one of the local pubs down there and share a pint yeah, so might, or something to that effect. So, um, but anyway, uh, well, you know, the thing that, that also struck me is, look, you know, you had to really dive to the depths of your heart with your own traumas, with mm. your numerous miscarriages, with your own childhood traumas. You couldn't be who you are or do the work that you're doing with individuals if you're not taking that deep dive yourself. Yeah. Because that means even though you may not resonate with the exact topography of experience, like, for example, I may be doing bereavement with support with somebody who's experienced the death of a spouse. Just because I experienced the death of a child doesn't mean I can't meet that person at the level of their worst tragedy because I've driven to driven or yeah, let me try that again. I've dived to the depths of my own heart with my own traumas and I know what it's like to experience the worst traumas of my life. So I can yeah. meet somebody at their worst trauma because I know what the experience is like for me. Because I had to do that deep personal work to get to the point to where I am today, as you've had to. You couldn't do what you do, you do yes. without doing your own personal work first. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, when I was in the midst of it, like I realized who I was becoming. And I don't say this with any arrogance because it hurt too much to get there. But like, you know, when you sit down next to someone and people, people feel this around you, Dave. Like you become someone trustworthy because you tolerated that level of pain and you sat in it long enough to do something with it and, and, and make life, make life out of that event in some way. Um, and, and I realized I was becoming one of those trustworthy people because when you walk in a room, you, you know, all sorts, certainly I do, you know, all sorts of, of what people are carrying, what their bodies are saying, what their emotional capacity is. But also like who the people are, the, the brave folks that have gone, I'm going to dare go there. Or life has forced me into this corner and I have no option to go there. You know, and, and so, yeah, I'm intense, but I love hanging out with those folk, those trustworthy folks that, that braved it. Yeah, those are the people that are now a part of my support system or a good primary part of my support system. So um, one of the things I think we might have talked about this you know, during our pre-podcast chat, chat, there's two things in, in society that people don't talk about or see as taboo. One is death. Ah. The other is sex. 
Yeah. And as far as I know, people are still dying. And as far as I still know, unless I've lived under a rock for the last 20 years of my life, people are still having sex or they want to. So one, why is talking about our sexuality such a taboo topic in our society? And what can we do to change the narrative around that? What can we do to kind of normalize that? It's, it's okay to talk about sex and sexuality and our sexual desires. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I joke because my career is an awful lot of fun, but also like I've got, what is the English phrase is I've got my head above the parapet. I'm putting my, putting my voice on the line every single day because I talk about a taboo sub subject, sex, and also like. I, I work with people around it, you know. Well, the first misconception people have is that probably I have sex with everybody. But that's not the case at all. But the longer you explore sacred sexuality, the longer it is that you get fussier and fussier about <laughs> you share your body with. But I think the reason why, and I actually I posted on Instagram about this today, about the, the, the taboo topic of sex. Because when you are connected to your libido, you are connected to the battery pack of life, right? Mm -hmm. It is that potent. People say to me, how come you've got so much energy? Well, I, I, I plug in. I, I have dates with myself, <laughs> you know? And then I use it to fuel my life, my projects, my relationships, my running practice, whatever it is, my music, my dance. And um, I think it's taboo because... Um, God, for lots of reasons, but mainly because it's such a powerful source of energy. You, you cannot arrive on planet Earth without somebody have having sex with, you know, your parents, right? And, and so it's just bonkers that, that this topic is off limits, but I think it's because it's, it's such a powerful source of chi. It is nature itself. And um, so I think there's a lot of control in there because when people really, really get that going, Really, um, I'm running a course actually in April connecting sex with leadership because when you're, when you're really charged in your own sexual energy and you move it through all of your chakras or you move it through all of your life, you, you, you are a force to contend with. You know, you, you, you harness that into your leadership. What do I want? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be with? Who do I want to be? And, and already you're a sort of countercultural movement just your own body connecting with, with Eros every day. Mm -hmm. Audre Lorde talks about this, um, but it's, it's like Eros is everywhere. We, we kind of think it's just between our legs, but it's everywhere. You know, Eros is in paintings and music and mm -hmm. even on the underground, the noise it makes or the, uh, what do you call it over there, the, the subway, even that deep boom of the subway, there's Eros in it. And, um, so let's, so I think it's taboo because it, it, it's a powerhouse. It's a source of, of, of anarchy in some ways, but also when you learn to channel it and ride it like a wild horse, it just makes life an exciting ride. And I, and I'll stand for that. I'll stand for mm -hmm. that. Hey, well, well, we, we talk about something that takes the fear out of it. We talk about something that's taboo or having a healthy conversation. I tell my students at Utica University in, in Utica, New York, in the United States, that you're going to be more versed in all things death, dying, and bereavement than many people in Western society are. You're going to be able to talk more comfortably about it. You're going to be able to, we're going to, be able to take the fear out of it. And I tell them, look, I said, we're all going to be dancing in a different dimension at some point in our, our lives. When, whatever that is, who knows? But I said, Let's understand the topic of death. 
so that we can live a more fulfilled life. Let's embrace that. So let's, I mean, for me, let's embrace our sexuality so that we can lead a more fulfilled life. And like you said, you, you will teach individuals, individuals who become, I think, more trauma-informed are going to use their sexuality more responsibly. They're going to be more particular with who they use it with, but they're going to be able to give fully of themselves because they've released that trauma with your help and the help of other love sexuality relationship coaches. That's right. That's right. Because if we have this as a taboo topic, it, it creates loneliness, isolation, but it's also, it doesn't create safety. Safety is like you say, that you can say, oh, I, I feel ashamed of that part of my body, or I've actually never known how to self-pleasure on my own. I've always waited for somebody else to play with my own body. And it's like, oh, let's make your body yours with you first of all. And then from that place, move towards other people. So I think it creates a lot of safety to, to have this topic and it creates a lot of power, which is fantastic. I actually, I was laughing with a client the other day and we would crack in the joke. We were like, well, don't wait till you're dead. You know, don't wait till you're dead to explore your sexuality or the relationships you want to have or the things that you want to ask for that you never dare ask for. Or, or, and, um, and, you know, he was laughing, he was laughing with me about it, but I, I think, um, I've, I've, I've had the grace of, of witnessing two people die. And that, that was the ultimate gift to me. When I watched my stepmother die, my, um, my stepsister's name was mentioned. And even though she wasn't conscious, the hand she was holding squeezed, squeezed when she heard her daughter's name. And it, and it just put everything into perspective, you know, like does my shopping list or dirty tea towels matter? No, they don't. Does spending time with the people I love most and making the most of my life because she can't be here, but I can. Like how much fun can I actually have whilst, whilst contributing more love to the world and kindness, you know? And so I think, I think, you know, sex and death, like what juicy topics in order to live more fully that they're, they're very key it's very hilarious that we're together today but sex and death speaks <laughs> i know we're talking about opposite ends of the spectrum you know <laughs> yeah. we're talking about and and again who knows what how, how physical relationships are and, and in other dimensions we don't know it may be more i always suspect it's more of a spiritual very deep spiritual connection that it because I think, you know, we leave our bodies and I believe we're all in, in some form of energy in another dimension. And I would believe sexuality is probably defined by that really attraction of energy and presence in each other's yeah. energy. I mean, just like in this lifetime, we're, we're energy sensitive. There are people that I don't resonate with automatically because their energy doesn't align with mine. And yeah. so I think it may be a more pure form of that on the other side as well, too. But yeah. I won't know until I get there. And if there's some way that I can signal anybody in terms of what that's like, particularly you, Chloe, I'll, Chloe, I'll let you know. Yeah, and you got yourself a deal. Whoever right. goes first has to explain it to the other one. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, then we could be a conduit for those otherworldly teachings about yeah. sex and relationships. Exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you, how does your body-based background make you different and unique from any other love sexuality relationship coach? I think the body, my body's been my canvas for years and years. And I think, um, I, I published a chapter recently that kind of outlines this. And I think in terms of, um, 
trauma. I had a lot of fight, flight, and freeze and form fawn in my system. They're like the four Fs around trauma that you could go and look up. I know you know them, Dave. But the freeze in my body was enormous. And so when I started to explore dance, five rhythms dance, of which I'm a teacher now uh, for many years, um, I started to defrost what was stored in my body. And, and so that's really the field work. My BA is in social anthropology. So I studied healing systems. I went on to really work out like, well, what, what actually works? I wanted to do the field work of what actually worked. And dance really worked for me because a lot of what was compounded in my chest, when I found the congruence between my body movement and what my heart was feeling, the emotions started to release. When you get pure form of, of what the body wants to say, then, then it releases and, and you're, no longer, you're no longer stuck there. You know, you've defrosted that part, you've integrated that part. So in terms of my space holding, once again, the soma, the limbic resonance between me and another, you, you can feel that I have fluidity in these places. So I'm not um, a, a newbie, which is a fine place to be, who, who's sort of like going to look at my piece of paper and, and take you through a process. Mm -hmm. You're going to have all the tools that I have over the last 20 years, in, in, including hours and hours and hours and years of dance plus the body movement psychotherapy so i'm going to be reading your body energetically and physically and then we have the love sexuality and relationship coach side of things where that's a lot of nervous system work that's a lot of trauma-informed exercises plus the tantric ones which we're dealing with intimacy so you really need to hold people and their their relationship and consent with their body very thoroughly so they're going to feel all of that when they're, when they're in a space with me. But you, you really have to have journeyed into your body to be able to hold other bodies um, proficiently. That, that's, um, that's an incredible privilege to be able to sit in anybody's heart space or body space and say, I'll hold you. I'll, I'll, I'll hold this space for you while, while we go there. And also the, the more playful part is spotting where we need to go. So it's like people will be telling me things and we'll be working out and, and, and bits will jump out at me very obviously because of, because of my wealth of experience of like, oh, we're going to go there. And you'll see whether they feel safe to go there or not. And they, you take them there slowly or, 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 or you stop them carrying on gently or you let them carry on, but you make a note, oh, we'll come back there another time when they feel more safe. Because that's where the gold is in that bit you just avoided most likely. Or the bit that you courageously set, came up with, this has held me back all my life and I'm willing to now work out why. And I love the fact that you allow individuals to find their emotional comfort zone and that you can be in tune to the fact that, well, now's not the time to go there, but maybe there's another time to go there. And I think that is so important for, for trauma survivors to, to know that you're not only going to hold space, which is when they allow you to hold space, to me, that's the ultimate sign of trust in them feeling safe. But the biggest thing is to create an environment in general where they feel safe, knowing that you're not going to push them to do anything that they're not capable of doing, but knowing and communicating to them, but look, I'm here with you for the long haul and we can always revisit this. And I think that's great that, that you can recognize that and you honor that for the individuals that you hold space for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think with trauma survivors, it, it's just absolutely imperative. As a as a PTSD survivor myself, I I 
I'm very clear that when somebody with trauma comes into my space, that they're in charge of their trauma. That box that you have that has your trauma in, it's really up to you when you want to take the lid off it a tiny bit and peek in and when you don't. And only you get to decide that. No, nobody else is going to decide that for you. I'll hold your hand. I'll hold your space. I'll make it safe as I can. But, but they, they have to be in charge. It, it's, it's, it's the right of the trauma survivor. Well, since this is the teaching journeys podcast, I, I can't let you get away without asking this question. Share one or two takeaways or teachings from your personal experience or your experience with clients that can help our listeners effectively address their own life challenges. I think for me, probably the biggest teaching was that my heart had far more capacity than I ever, ever realized. And, and I say that with a caveat because having worked in adult mental health, locked wards, the psyche is an extremely tender place. So it's, it's, this, it's this movement between knowing and trusting that you're much bigger than you ever thought you were and that your heart is a massive landscape, probably much wider than you ever thought, but also, but also going at your own pace because, because you don't want to be hurting your psyche within the expansion. So, so like, don't, don't be looking at what other people are doing and forcing yourself to go anywhere. Like unfold at your own pace is, is really key in all of this. And, and that really is the greatest blossoming. Do you, don't do anyone else. Do you. Yeah. Don't compare yourself with others because that gets to be a, a it's like trying to eat soup with a fork. You know, it's, it's fruitless. And it's, it's just not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to cause a great deal of pain. Celebrate who you are for your unique gifts. And as long as you are living a life that is guided by, you know, I, I think knowing a sense of right or wrong by values that you firmly believe in and you're willing to wear on your sleeve, you can sleep at night. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. That's right. That's right. And I'm, and I'm glad you, that that is one takeaway that I think our audience uh, can can uh, get a lot of benefit from. So last question, and we could go on probably for another two hours, but last question, let our listeners know how they can contact you about any upcoming events, how they can contract for services. Now, do you do virtual as well as in person? Yeah, I mainly oh. do virtual. So, so I work with people all over the world. If you want to head to my website, that's www.feralgrace.net. Um, you can head to my Instagram, which is feral.grace. Um, and you can email me. I love, I love hearing from people. There's a course for women coming up in April, which will be again, Eros, working with your own Eros and your leadership. So if you want to, if you want a little more from your life and you're not quite sure how to make it happen, come and hang out with me for five weeks in April. That'll be a laugh. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I love hearing from people. So if they want to drop you a line and you forward it to me, or they can hit my website and email me that that's always nice. I love hearing people's stories and some people, they email me and they're like, I'm not ready to work with you yet, but I, you'll be hearing from me. And other people are like, I just discovered you. I can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, and, and I think we are gifted by people's stories. I don't individuals who share their stories with me they're sharing a very intimate part of, of their existence 
And I, I take that very seriously and I honor that very sacredly. Um, and I, I could just imagine anybody who works with you is going to have a blast. You are just so delightful and you're so genuine and you're just so much fun. Like I said, if I ever found myself in London, I'd look you up. I'm sure I know we would have a great conversation. Yeah. About a, about a lot of different things. So, Chloe, it's been just an absolute blast, an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. We are recording this in early January. So, I want to wish you much. I want to wish you great prosperity dur during the upcoming year. And thank you so much for being a part of the Teaching Journeys podcast. Thank you so much, Dave. You're really very, very special. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. And with that, that is another wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace.